Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm feeling a little rushed. We're on a you have you have a heart out. I do, yes. For this episode. So we're gonna we're gonna try and keep it under an hour, I think. Yes. Um But uh I'm also in a very good mood. Okay. Because uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 is yeah. in theaters, and I have seen it, and uh, it did not disappoint me. But, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, I saw it with someone who has not read any of the books and has only seen some of the movies. Okay. Um, and he thought it was the movie was pretty good. And so I started thinking, like, I'm too far down the rabbit hole of fandom to, like, to be uh, objective about this film. Yeah. Um. Now you have not read any of the books. I've not read any of the You've books. You've seen all the movies more than once, probably. Oh, I saw. I watched them all again this week uh, <laughs> in preparation, emotionally, because I already was well acquainted with everything that happens in those films. But I just wanted to get in the Harry Potter mood, uh-huh. and so I, I watched them all. Uh, and oddly enough, I watched one, two, three. I skipped four. Watched five. No, I'm sorry. I went six, one, two, three, five, and I was like, ugh. Not enough Harry Potter, so I went back and watched four, and yeah. uh, and then it was time to watch the film. For uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, like I'll watch it and be like, "Oh, this isn't very good." And the next time I watch it, I'll be like, "Oh, this is better than I remember." Yeah, and then so then the next time I watch it, I have a good feeling about it, and I'm like, "Oh, this isn't very good." Yeah, it's it's my least favorite of the movies. Um, it has some really great sequences in it. I th- it has great sequences. It has, it of course, has Brendan Gleeson who's doing great work, and then uh, it has some interesting plot developments. Certainly, a lot of interesting character stuff, and that's that's the way I have to look at it because every time I watch it, I see a new flaw. Like I just, and I don't know how much of the of the problem is with the movie so much as the story that's being told. Like at the very least, I had an I had a new thought the other day. It's like. It's conceivable that no one will win the Triwizard Tournament. Like, isn't that <laughs> isn't that possible? Like, all three could die. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's not fun at all. Like that's yeah. That that's part of the. I mean, the the books were always a little darker than people gave them credit for, and certainly yeah. darker than Chris Columbus or Mike Newell treated them. Yeah. Um, the dark, dark in sort of a raw doll kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the whole idea of Harry's parents making him live under the staircase is. Almost something that Rod Dahl would have His uh, aunt and uncle, please. His aunt and uncle, yes. Okay, now. Sorry. Um, Harry's parents are awesome. But anyway, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about We're not going to talk about Goblet of Fire. We're going to talk about Deathly Hallows Part well, 1. Well, what I, I talk about is sort of my relationship to these movies. They're so serialized. Yeah. They so much depend on what you know going in. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I also do a TV review podcast called Previously On. Oh, I've heard about that. And I've come to realize that I now view the Harry Potter movies more the way I view a TV series than I than I do uh, the way the way I view a film. And I think that's kind of almost the way they're made. I mean, they're very cinematic looking. Yeah, yeah. But they're made heavily serialized. Like if you think about, um, there were two two TV series I thought of continuously while watching uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part. Part one, mm. um, I thought about Buffy a lot, which okay. I always have uh, with the Harry po- with Harry Potter, the better Harry Potter, especially David Yates, who is uh, I mean Alfonso Cuarón made a great movie. David yeah. Yates is has made the, just the best Harry Potter movies. He is fantastic. Third is still my favorite, but yeah, but he really gets it. Though oh, he, very I, though much I don't so. know that he could have made the first two, 
or if he did, I don't know that there that the franchise would still exist. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe it, it needed um, someone with a, a light touch like mm-hmm. Chris Columbus, which I still like Chris Columbus movies. But anyway, I thought about Buffy a lot, but I also thought about The Sopranos. Okay, because The Sopranos would do things uh, that ju- just. I'm sure it was expensive for them to be able to do it, but just to fill in the world and make it more real, they would have a name actor like Joe Pantoliano come back to say one line in a dream sequence. Yeah. You know? And I was thinking about, this is a very minor spoiler for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows uh, Part 1, but um, Ollivander. Yeah, yeah. Played by John Hurt. Mm-hmm. He's in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up near the end. I think he has one spoken line. Yeah. In the whole movie. And it's in a, I think it's in a sort of, he shows up throughout in kind of dream sequence type things. Right, yeah, you do see him. That's um, right. But yeah, even then it's not like a, a big role. Yeah, but it's John freaking hurt. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and the same thing with like uh, um, well, Richard, Tim- Richard Griffiths is, yeah, you hardly even see, you basically see the back of his head well, in, in the, a couple of shots. In the last film, Timothy Spall is in it and has no lines. Right, yeah. He's just in it. Yeah. Uh, to win it. Um, and I feel like, I love that they do that. I'm sure it's costly mm-hmm. to get someone like a John Hurt or Richard Griffiths or Timothy Spall. Yeah. And even, I mean, it'll be more more in the second part, I'm sure, but Alan Rickman isn't even in this movie that much at all. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it can't be cheap for them to do that, and I love that they do it, but it makes me think more of a TV series than a movie. Well, I think, it's, I think you're absolutely right in that it's very TV-oriented, and I can't think of the last movie franchise, if there ever has been one, where after making the first... Because it's based on a series of books, and the books themselves are very, as you said, serialized, once they made the first film, and it did well, uh-huh. is it a fair assumption that they would make all the others at that point? Or was it like... They made the first one, then they made the second one, and then once both of those did well, now it's for sure we're going to make the rest. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know how a studio head thinks. I mean, if the fourth one was a bomb, I mean, how committed are they? But, I, I mean, the thing is, it has enough of a, it has enough of a fan base. Yeah. And even if the movies kept getting worse, yeah. the books were still great. Yeah. And so, they, uh, yeah, I think the, because the books were great and uh, successful, they probably would they would have made them all, even if they had made less money each time. And how often? But not is... the case. I mean, I'm not a big guy. I'm not a a big like box office following guy. Mm-hmm. But I have been because I feel so close to the franchise. Yeah. Uh, following this weekend's opening box office for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One, and it's the biggest opening weekend Harry Potter's ever had. Yeah. Had 24 million in midnight screenings on Thursday night alone. I know. That's insane. I, I don't usually follow the box office either, but I, I followed, because I had heard a few weeks ago that like all the midnight, or at least 500 midnight screenings were sold out uh-huh. several, several weeks out. And I remember yeah. just thinking like, first off, the very fact that there are 500 midnight screenings, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, midnight screenings, I understand, 500 of them that's a lot yeah that's uh that's 10 estate uh-huh. and i have to assume there's probably not 10 of them in alaska but still um uh, you mean movie theaters <laughs> <laughs> oh um, that's mean why does that mean uh, i don't know it's i have this image of alaska and i don't think it's the actual thing i think <laughs> i i just imagine just just a barren wasteland <laughs> uh just hoth i imagine hoth Basically, um, hospital with rednecks, right? You, you go to, you go to Alaska for two reasons to die 
or to kill. <laughs> and so, so I feel like those are, that's why you go. And, uh, no one goes there to see movies. All right. So, uh, yeah. What was I saying? Great box office. What was your point? Oh, um, that, uh, that, oh, uh, back to the franchise thing. I mean, there are, se- there's seven books and eight movies. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. First off, when's the last franchise you saw that had that many parts of it? And they were all, and it was assumed that all of them were going to be a part of it. I mean, there right. there have been James Bond, but that's that's different because yeah. none of them goes into the other, mm-hmm. and they get different people as James Bond. And Is it's that true? Not, no, I've seen very few James Bond movies, but did, uh, I, and I'd love to get emails or or I'm not being mm-hmm. sarcastic. I'd love to get emails or tweets about this. Um, is there at any point where a past James Bond film is referenced in the new one? I feel like Quantum... I didn't see either Casino Royale or Quantum of Solace, which I know I'm going to get emails about that too, but I just don't care about James Bond. Anyway, Casino Royale is very good. I've heard that Quantum of Solace, Quantum, Quantum of Solace references Casino Royale. That's entirely like, possible. It, it like, oh, you didn't see it? No, I didn't see Quantum of Solace. I heard it was not that good. But um, no, that, that I actually believe, because, and I think it's because of movies like Batman Begins and all that, where they were rebooting James Bond and they were telling kind of an origin kind of story right. with uh, Casino Royale. So I could see them following up and trying to have it be a, a little more, you know. By the way, I absolutely love uh, asking questions on podcasts and not having to do any research and getting answers, you know. Okay. Like I asked on previously on, I, I, I asked if uh, there was ever a Doctor Who episode where two people play the Doctor in the same episode. And it turns out it has happened at least once, maybe twice. Uh, if you have any, I, I didn't have to look it up at all. I just said it and people told me. I mean, I had to wait a few days. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you have any Doctor Who questions, <laughs> you should talk to our new blogger Kyle Anderson, really, who covers Doctor Who for the Nerdist. Ah, so well, I know our our friend um, Ian Brill is a big Doctor and, Who fan. Yes, I've talked about Doctor Who with him before. I've not seen a single episode, uh, uh, and uh, apparently, I would like. Uh, everyone says I would enjoy it. I've only I've seen a couple episodes of the. Um, uh, David Tennant, Doctor Who, and that's okay. it. I've never seen. You know, David Tennant was in uh, Harry Potter four. So, who was he? He was Barty Crouch Jr. Oh, that's right. He was the guy that yeah. uh, spoilers was masquerading as Mad Eye Moody. But, um, but yeah, I feel like the Harry Potter series is incredibly unique because after a certain By the way, huh? A thing is either unique or it isn't. It can't be incredibly unique. Well, okay, I think. I think the Bourne trilogy is unique in that all three of them are good. Uh-huh. Uh, and, in fact, they might even get better as they go along, which is very, which is unique uh-huh. for, for franchises. Harry Potter's very unique because there's because so you're many. You're saying it's unique on multiple counts. Very much so, okay. yes. It's uh, many unique. And so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and it just... It really is. It has been. I mean, for all it, for all intents and purposes, it is a TV show. Uh-huh. It's been going for ten years now, <laughs> and you're always you're always excited to see. Oh, cliffhanger! Time for next season. Uh-huh. Oh, but I guess I have to wait a year. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, and you really and you watch the characters grow. You watch the actors grow, and you just and they bring back people, and you're like, oh, he's back. Oh, that's great. And it is very much like, uh, I would say, like the West Wing, where in uh-huh. the later seasons, they bring back people from the first uh, from the first couple of seasons. Like, Oliver Platt shows up in the last season. And, and yeah. it's just very, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rare 
franchise. I don't think there's ever been one quite like it uh, because because it's all one it's all one story, but each one is very specific to itself. Right. But part of but still part of the whole, and uh, and people just keep lining up to see it and i'm one of them and i love it you know the other weird thing about being such a long-running franchise is how attracted i am to emma watson (laughs) i mean i don't like it is a little strange technically there's nothing wrong with me saying that or feeling that way she's legally there's nothing wrong (laughs) uh and no i don't think there is actually anything wrong with me finding her she's a very beautiful uh, young woman at this point um but it's just weird it makes me feel like woody allen because i've yeah, because <laughs> I've known who she was, who she was since she was yeah. eleven. Yeah, it's like you've raised her to be a beautiful woman that you're attracted to. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, I'm not trying to be crude or crass or anything. No, she's not just, at all. She's very, she's lovely. And I, okay, and I, uh, with her specifically, I've, I've, uh, we've watched her become yes, a very uh, beautiful young woman, uh, but we've also watched her become uh, an actually good actress. You watch those early films, Again, man. Um, this is what David Yates has brought to the franchise. Yeah. He was the first director to trust those three to be actors. That, that's that's my opinion when I watch it, that he he really uh, he put it on. The, he, ga- he gave them responsibility, which is why... Order Certainly of, in this film more than the others. I'll, I'll, I'll I think definitely. Order of the Phoenix, which is my favorite of the films, yeah. the fifth one... Um, and it's my favorite for that exact reason. Um, there's not really a lot of plot in Order of the Phoenix. No, there isn't. Um, it really is a more of an emotional arc. Yeah. Uh, and it has a lot of these emotional moments. And, uh, I mean, he he allows Daniel Radcliffe to play um, sort of the uh, impotent rage that mm-hmm. um, I think... If if I'm any indication, most teenage boys felt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he does a great job, and I, I think he's a great director, and I think he he made the franchise. And I, again, I Alfonso Cuarón's film was great. Christopher Columbus's films were wonderful for what they mm-hmm. needed to be. Um, but he David Yates is the one who made the franchise uh, one for the ages for me. Although I actually do think, from an acting standpoint, I think Mike Newell kicked it off. There was a lot. There's a lot of awkward teenage emotion in Goblet of Fire. There's some funny stuff in Goblet There's of Fire. There's funny stuff. There's and yeah, the U-ball relationship stuff. Is, the U-ball sequence is, is the best part yeah. of Goblet of Fire for me. Especially the, the effect that it has on the relationships of, you know, uh-huh. Ron and, and Hermione and all that. But, uh, anyway. yeah, it's... it's I, I really liked the new one. Um, I know that some people were disappointed. And it's getting not great reviews. Well, what were enough. people disappointed in? And that, and here's the thing: is the people who are disappointed, to my knowledge, are not necessarily big fans. Right. They may be in, they may be like enthusiasts. They like what they've seen for the most part so right. far, but they are not, you know. And and again, I haven't read the books or anything, but I love those movies and I really follow them. And and Ebert at least but acknowledges can- in his review, which is a three star review, but he at least acknowledges he's like. I, I've liked these movies, but they have not been a huge thing for me, and thus I don't think I'm the audience for the yeah. seventh movie in the and, franchise. And can you blame... Like, yeah, there have been people complaining about that sort of stuff, but I don't blame them. Like, I, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and be a fanboy and be like, you're wrong, you don't get it, and be like, eh, you know, it's... 
perfectly a perfectly legitimate response. But I almost feel like to to truly be objective about the film, you have to recognize exactly what it is. And what it is is the seventh and part one of the last film in a franchise. And if you, which is why it's more like a television show, right? But and and why some people and why I guess you could say, well, it's not satisfact, it's not satisfying as a film. But the only way it could be is to view it for what it actually is, instead of, you know, it's not a standalone film. What, what I'm film. getting at, I know we need to get into the topic here. Okay. Um, but my whole original thought process here, we're bringing up the TV thing, yeah. was that people talk about um, uh, often the, this. There's this rubric that is held to movies that are part of a series. Mm-hmm. Does it work on its own? You know, does yeah. Empire Strikes Back work on its own? I don't yeah. know if it does or not, but it's still the best yeah. movie um, uh, of the of that franchise. Um, and when, but when you watch a TV show, if you were to watch one episode of a TV show three quarters of the way through the fourth season yeah. and make up your mind about that TV show based on that, that would be insane. Right. And that's essentially, uh, that's essentially what you, what you're, what people who don't like Harry, this, this movie are doing. Yeah. But I don't know that they're wrong because it's a movie and maybe it should be viewed that way. I suppose. I, I feel like one, one should try to take the attitude of, uh, a friend of the show, Jim Bruce, when he would, uh, tune in to lost like every two seasons for right. one episode and say like, wow, I don't get anything that's going on, but this sure seems good. This really seems like something I can get behind if I ever decided to watch the whole thing, which I'm not going to. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really liked it. And, uh, at some point, perhaps you and I can go into more detail about, uh, about what we, we thought of the film itself. Yeah. But I recommend it. if you are, if you are, a f- you know what, what I was about to say, if you're a fan of Harry Potter, go see it. If you're a fan of Harry Potter, you saw it You've already. You've seen it already. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you should see it anyway. And as much as I love Harry Potter, I kind of, I kind of want it uh, to be over so we can see what's next for David Yates because this guy, he is great. He really is. And he, I mean, he's as much as I love the first three and like the first, like the fourth film, mm-hmm. they're um, they're clearly meant as translations of the book. Yeah. David Yates really makes films that are that exist cinematically first. And are inspired by the book. At some point, not now because we've been talking too long, but like at some point, I think we do need to start talking about the Harry Potter franchise in terms of its producer, uh, which is David Heyman, I believe, uh-huh. um, because of the role that he's playing in picking directors. At what point to get a new director? Uh-huh. And the and to me, David Yates is great, but the biggest, the most important thing about his tenure is that from five on. He's been the director because, yeah. and I think it's a smart, uh, smart choice on the part of the dire- uh, the producer to choose one director because after once Order of the Phoenix comes along, they're all one big story, and really, you can't from, have it be. It from the end of Goblet of Fire when Voldemort comes back. Yeah, that's when the. Yeah, that's it's all one story. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and so. And that's the thing is, it, it could have been. It probably would have been very easy for the producer to say, "Well, you know." We kind of have this tradition of bringing in new directors. So David Yates, Yates did great for the the fifth film. Now let's see what someone else does. But he didn't. He said, "This is what it needs to be. It's uh-huh. all one story now." And that's that's at some point we need to do an episode about the role of the producer, because okay. a producer is is largely considered to be a non creative <laughs> entity, but they absolutely have to be, because in picking one director for those for the last few films, he understands creatively and artistically mm-hmm. what the f- series is about well so 
the Harry How Potter are you transition. Okay, here the we Harry go. Harry Potter movies uh, generally um, unfold over the course of a school year, right? Yeah. All we're, right. We're we're going to narrow our focus today and talk about movies that unfold unfold over the course of a single twenty four hour period. Oh my! So let's get into it, shall we? That was a that was clunky and yet I very I think that good. Was a good one. That was yeah. You you were able to. It's like this. You could have done that with almost anything. This film took place over several years. We're going to narrow our focus. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, okay, so let's um, let's let's get into it. Let's talk. Okay, I know there's one movie that's on everyone's mind when you talk about movies that unfold over one day. Okay, and that's Quick Change. Quick Change. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, that's I, I say that jokingly because people don't think about that movie nearly as often as they should. I agree. Um, even though it's not a perfect movie. It it has some flaws. When I, I revisited it not that long ago, and it does have, uh, it does have some tonal flaws. You think so? Yeah, but it is um, such an ambitious and genuinely weird movie. Well, there's no question about that. Um, and well, before I'd say, I'd say it's very unique. <laughs> I'd say it's unbelievably unique. <laughs> um, actually, unbelievably could work. It's so unique, I can't believe it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, now before we actually get into specific titles, um, uh, first off, and I don't remember, I didn't write down his name, but uh, a listener of the show suggested like like 30 topics. Yeah, and so we're probably going to do them all because they were all good suggestions. Oh, suggestion. it's the best. I'm so excited. Because <laughs> um, I, I was running out of steam and this guy bought us another year. Yeah, I really. I'm just gonna take that list and save it as like a Google document. So when yeah. you like email me like at 2 p.m. on Thursday when we're supposed to record four hours later and say, uh, "What are we talking about tonight?" I'll just check the old document and now see which, which one's checked off. And it's interesting the the parallel thinking because he uh, he recommended some that we were already thinking yeah, of. He did. Yeah. Um, even even so far as to do like uh, like we we have a couple series in mind that we haven't started yet and probably won't until the new year, but. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, so when he when he suggested this topic, I found myself uh, intrigued because uh, first off, I, I and I haven't done really any research about this. You've done more, which is very exciting and a nice change of pace. <laughs> but uh, I real I, I was thinking like, well, how how many are there? And then what are some of the basic components? And what is the appeal? of that what is the appeal of of a movie taking place in one day in your opinion uh let's go with the second question what's the appeal of that um i, I think i don't know we were talking before uh, before we recorded we were we were talking about like a few like gimmicky movies and, and yeah. part of it is that it's just that hook yeah. of um of let's cram a lot of this into one day and that's yeah those are the ones that stand out because in thinking about this i realized that a lot of movies take place in less than 24 hours you know die hard takes place in less than 24 yeah, hours yeah. but you don't think of it as that kind of movie 88 minutes <laughs> right well and let's let's not talk about real time movies uh, right, we'll right. Do the, I, I put a lot of those on my list but then i realized there there are enough of them that we should maybe do an episode i agree um, where we can really dig into nick of time yeah um uh but it is the uh, the ones that stand out are the ones where a lot of shit happens in one day. Right. I think that's that's the appeal of it. It's like let's set this parameter, these parameters for ourselves, and and figure out how we can logistically get as much shit as possible into this day. Yeah. Um. You, you know, uh, if it, I mean, sometimes it's something like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where 
literally a lot of very big things happen. You mm-hmm. know, he travels all over the city, he gets in a parade, he does like yeah. big large things and you're like, Wow, it's still the school day? Like yeah. not only is it still the day, like yeah. <laughs> like it's still it's the like, school day. It's like a it's seven, seven hour yeah. uh, period of time. Um and then sometimes you get one like uh before sunrise where very little actually happens. Yeah. But they just talk and it all happens in a night. Um, and then Before Sunset is one of those real-time movies, so uh, save that for another one. Spoilers. I didn't know that. You didn't see Before Sunset? No, I haven't seen no, either one. one of the best movies that year. I you know. You haven't seen I, either one? No. Oh, we dude. we have them, and I need to dude. I need to watch them. Dude. Yeah, check them out. They're great. Thank you. Really great movies. Um, the uh, I think the appeal for me is that... Would you... It's... I mean, I guess, I guess this is uh, how life can be viewed, uh-huh. is by and large... One, not much, like a day doesn't change your life. Mm-hmm. But anytime your life is changed, it's u- it's usually in the course of one day. Yeah. Like you find out. Because each day is a chapter in right. the book of life. I didn't mean that to be che- <laughs> cheesy fine. when I started saying it. So I figured, <laughs> but here we are. I figured, uh, uh, once I said chapter, it's going to sound cheesy, so I might yeah. as well see it through. There you go. I appreciate the the, uh, the commitment. But, uh, <laughs> but but even if you're, even if you're part of an ordeal if you're involved in like some kind of ordeal whether it be you know positive or negative if it's positive i guess it's not called an ordeal but anyway uh and it lasts like a week or two weeks or however long you'll still go back to the one day and think that day is when this thing started Uh you know and that will be and you might even during the course of the ordeal or whatever um there might be days that are worse and days that are better but you don't forget that one day because Everything because everything before that, oh, how blissful life was, uh-huh. and then that day everything changed. Um, another thing I talked about, yeah, a lot of stuff happening, mm-hmm. but another approach, which is still a lot of stuff ha- happening, is to have a whole lot of characters. Yeah, and it's just like there's one thing that ta- that ties these characters together, be it like they all live on the same block and do the right thing, they're yeah. all graduating from the same high school and days are confused, although they're not actually graduating, they're becoming. Mostly juniors becoming seniors or eighth no. graders becoming ninth graders. That's not important. Um, they are graduating in American Graffiti, which is the same yeah. same thing. Um, that's another thing. That's uh, do the right thing to a certain extent has a story, but like Days of Confused and American Graffiti don't really have much in the way of plot, you know, or can't hardly wait, which is right. uh, an underrated, I think, entry in in that that trilogy. Yeah, I think American Graffiti, Days of Confused, Can't Hardly Wait would make a good trilogy, but a lot of people don't give Can't Hardly Wait enough credit. What do you think? Have you seen it? I've seen uh, parts of Can't Hardly Wait, and uh, and I think I, I would I would agree that people don't give it enough credit, and I think it really is okay. I was about to say it's the American graffiti of our generation. It's not, um, but it's it is cut from that cloth. That yeah. idea of it's graduation night, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And so this is a uh, it's a time for introspection. Uh, a time to look at uh, where your life has been and and where it's going to go and mm-hmm. and so I think it's uh, and actually now that I think about it, I guess I've seen more than just sections. I think I saw like the last forty five minutes of the film okay. and uh, and she so Jenna Elfman, I did. Yeah, she's funny. It's got a great cast. It really does. Like uh, uh, what's her name? Sabrina. She's funny in it. Uh, <laughs> what is her name? Melissa Joan Hart. Melissa Joan Hart. Yes. Uh, Donald Faison is funny in it. Yeah. Peter Facinelli is hilarious in that movie he's hilarious the part when he when he goes some guy in there called me a fag <laughs> like he almost cries because he got called a fag 
And his that's story is actually point. pretty, uh, not necessarily touching, but there's mm-hmm. some interesting stuff going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I guess that's uh, a nice entry into this as well. Um, but uh, but let's I'm sorry let's let's keep going. You were starting. You were kind of listing things. Well, no, I think I mean those are sort of the 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 main things is yeah. that either a lot of stuff happens or a lot of characters happen and. It's in, in that sense. Let's let's start with that half. Let's okay. start with a lot of characters' movies. Okay, because those are the ones like where, like I said, the day thing is almost just like a reason to have a movie. Yeah, y- you know, because there's not a story a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, and let's talk about Days and Confused, which mm-hmm. is um, after the aforementioned Die Hard. Yeah, the movie I've seen mo- most times. Okay, I've seen Die Hard so many times. That if I never watched it again, I doubt any other movie would ever catch up. Oh wow! I've seen Die Hard at least a hundred times. I might be that way with Jaws. I've seen Jaws a lot, and then I've seen Days and Confused a few dozen times, probably. Okay. And then after that, it all sort of. Uh, I don't. I don't rewatch movies all that often. Hmm. Um. I like seeing stuff I haven't seen before, but Days and Confused is the second most viewed movie by me, David Bax. And why do you? What do you like so much about it? Um. The fact that it's one date is that before we started uh, thinking about this topic, mm-hmm. is that something that registered to you as a reason that you might enjoy the film? Is is the time aspect of it that it all takes place in one day? Um, I like that it's one important day, and it's one day that represents the beginning of a lifetime. It's yeah. the last day of school. Yeah, you know, and it's also. Um, it came out when I was in, I think, eighth grade, maybe mm-hmm. even seventh grade, um, and so there was a certain romance to like the idea of being, like, being a, still being a teenager, being old, or still being a kid, you know, a minor, but being old enough to like go out, yeah, all night and be out at night and like the ro- like the part when they're sitting on the football field at night, yeah. like that stuff just really got to me in a, ro- a romantic romanticized way of the yeah. idea of like this is a place that is specifically built for a lot of people to be in yeah but at four o'clock in the morning there's only three guys there or i think there's like four matthew McConaughey, yeah. rory cochran randall pink floyd i don't know <laughs> uh anyway um and then what i really like about it is that it's one day but it's not morning to night it's 24 hours it's from the morning yeah. to the next morning yeah. so at the the end of the movie the sun is up yeah uh and they're driving to a new houston day a new day is dawning tickets. that's the way i look at it yeah but they're driving to houston to get aerosmith tickets yeah you know it's the end of the summer no question about that um <laughs> how many times have you seen days of confusion once really <laughs> yeah so you did not have this reaction that i had like you don't think it's one of the greatest movies of our lifetime uh hmm I don't know if I'd characterize it that way, but at the same time, I saw it. When did you first see it? High school? I, th- I think it's one of the greatest movies for uh, suburban American teenagers. I'd say that's about right, and I'd say... So yeah, Link I, I was probably, in eighth grade when I saw it. I'd say Linkletter's probably responsible for some others as well. But uh, yeah, the, I think... The, first, the day I saw it, yeah, um, I watched it four times in one day. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if that if I ever had that. I watched... I think I watched Glengarry Glen Ross immediately after I watched it. Like I watched it again because I was just so amazed by it. But uh, four times in one day. Yeah, that's like four days. I think it was during Thanksgiving vacation from like during Thanksgiving break from eighth gr- in eighth grade. 
Yeah. So that means it was 15 years ago. So it's a so it's a film that holds up because you've watched it several times since then. Yeah, it I, wasn't have the, just, I have the DVD. Uh, I don't have the Criterion DVD, but I, I should get that. Um, but that's uh, now. We, so you would say that that's a film that it's it takes place in a day and it has a lot of characters. It has a whole lot of characters from okay. all different. I mean, it has the eighth grade characters, yeah. and the junior, uh, you know, junior year characters. It has a couple teachers. It has Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. it it spans a sense of community, but you also get a you, you also understand that as expansive as it is, it's still very insular mm-hmm. because it's all tied to this high school. Yeah, and not even the whole high school; it's really just two different grades. Yeah, you know, and then you know Ben Affleck, who should have graduated but was held back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and and so I like that it really does feel the way I felt about um, being. Uh, suburban teen. Yeah, like, uh, I was part of. I was part of a world that existed only for other people like me, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Lo- it wasn't confined to one place. We took it with us. Yeah, where wherever wherever you go when you're in high school, you're a high schooler. Oh yes, if that make, does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's certainly how people see you at the uh-huh. very least. Um, Charlie, go away. Um, you know, and it, and it's interesting because uh, I, I want to use this as a not necessarily as a jumping off point, but I, I almost want to return to something that we were talking about a moment ago. Um, and this maybe one of the reasons that because I saw Days and Confused when I was older, um, mm-hmm. probably in college, <clears throat> and uh, in fact, I think I probably watched your copy of it. And I have no doubt that you watched it with me. But uh, it did not have a great deal of resonance for me. I, I liked it. I responded to certain characters more than others. Um, I, I still think it's probably the best, maybe the best performance, certainly the best character of Matthew McConaughey's career. Um, because all of a sudden, like, all his charisma is turned inward, uh, turned on its, on its ear and yeah. viewed as something of a negative. Yeah. Uh, which true. I think is kind of an interesting uh, way to do that. But... Um, By the way, you got you still have to watch the second season of Eastbound and Down. Oh, I guess I do. Yes, he, he's only he's only in one scene, but he knocks it out of the park. All right, and it made me remember. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's like, it's, he makes choices most of the time, chooses roles that I that disappoint me. Yeah, it disappoint me specifically because of the fact that I think he's fantastic and yeah. should be in better stuff, like Rain of Fire. <laughs> I love Rain of Fire, <laughs> but like Lone Star. You know? Oh yeah. And you know, okay, this is going to sound weird. The movie Larger Than Life with Bill Murray and an elephant. Uh-huh. Matthew McConaughey is in that as really? a deranged trucker, and he's a delight. But um, but anyway, uh, I was thinking maybe one of the reasons that I, and this, this will relate to the topic, thankfully. Um, seldom, with, the, with the possible exception of my wedding day, uh-huh. there, I don't think there's ever been a day in my life where people say, this is a day that's important. For example, graduation day. Um, people say this is an important day, and thus you should start thinking about your life or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I've never experienced that. Graduation day for me felt it didn't feel like anything. I didn't care. Some of that probably had to do with the life that I specifically lived and the fact that the people that I graduated with, I don't, I had only known for two years, so I didn't have the history with that place or with those people. But um, but I'd say nine times out of ten, any time I have a specific day 
where somebody says, or it's expected that this is a day that is important and you should treat it as such. Um, um, like the day I got my driver's license, it was just like, yeah, all right. I didn't really drive. Uh-huh. I drove to Burger King because uh-huh. I, I wanted Burger King and that was it. Like, and, and, and I didn't have a big moment where like my dad like handed me the keys or anything. Um, and so when I, when I see something for me, the one, I, I remember several one day, uh, things, uh-huh. uh, events, but they're never like a prescribed thing. They're always something that just, you know, the shit hit the fan or something really went my way. Usually the, fir- usually the former. <laughs> um, but, uh, and so maybe that's why I don't immediately respond to something like Dazed and Confused because you get all these characters who every single one of them is hit with the enormity of what this day means, what it represents, and all that kind of thing. And I never well, had that. I don't think Dazed and Confused is necessarily supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, realistic. Yeah. It's, it, it's iconographic, if that's a word. I'd say that's right. I'd say uh, that's about right. And intentionally so. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not like... Even though it's a nostalgic movie, ostensibly, because yeah. it came out in 1994 and it takes place in 1976. Right. Um, it's really a movie that I think of, uh, that that I watched in eighth grade, mm-hmm. bringing to it my romanticism of what what high school and, and what, like, that, that, that the freedom of being older and the idea of graduation or moving on. Yeah. I you know none of that had happened to me yet. It resonated with me because it uh, was in tune with the things that I already was expecting, expecting yeah. to be nostalgic about. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, well, you know that reminds me of what you said—the idea that sometimes there's just a day where a bunch of shit happens. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a day, you know. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Hold that okay. thought because I want to talk about another movie that uh, is a parody of the one day, all in one day movies. Okay, about a big day, last day of camp, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yes, which absolutely. Which specifically in the, the part where they take the trip to town, which is like <laughs> a maybe six-minute montage, yeah, if, yeah. if that, um, which appears to take place over the course of months. Yeah. During <laughs> during their probably hour ex- excursion into town. Yeah, they, I think they even say it's always good to get to town, even if only for an hour. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they want they they all like do drugs. They engage in like an entire week's worth of Vegas type activities, <laughs> and uh, yes, it's it's very funny. Um, but anyway, sometimes there's movies like Clerks, yeah, uh, which isn't tied to anything. It's just right a really full day. And I'll talk about my um, real life example. Okay, um, I think the first day I viewed this as the day that I that cemented my having fallen in love with Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and it was a, it was a Friday. It was in early 2008. So I'd actually, I started, I started falling in love with Los Angeles a year prior. Mm. I'd lived here for a year and a half before I started to like the city at all. Yeah. Um, and then over the course of that next year, I loved it. And part of it was me finally getting some like steady income and being able to enjoy myself, not being bound to the home because I was so broke. But one day it was a Friday. I had worked that day. Um, and then I went uh, uh, to I went to dinner with a couple friends, you know, mm. and then we went to Largo, the old Largo, to yeah. see Paul of Tompkins, friend of the show, Paul of Tompkins, friend of the show, Paul of Tompkins. Um, Chris Fairbanks was the opener, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and that was a 
that was a show like that dinner and that show it, it was great that's yeah. a night you know but then on my way home i called uh um some friends you know and i was like where are you and they were at bigfoot lodge a bar in atwater village so i drove over there and we hung out at the bar and then called another friend and he was like oh there's a party here in echo park and you know we get we went to this party. by the time we get to the party it's one thirty in the morning you know we brought some beer and ended up hanging out sitting on the roof of this house in echo park it's like four o'clock in the morning at this point i've been up drinking and having fun all night and it was just a really full sort of romantic idea of it was what i it was what when i was in high school and i was like grounded for getting bad grades or or had to go to my right. grandma's house for some bullshit family thing it was my idea <laughs> <laughs> you're a horrible person <laughs> uh, that's a joke anyway yes. it was it was my like my idea of what it would be like to live on my own in a big city which is what i always wanted you know and yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a lot of people stay where they grew up and that's fine that's what they want you know my brothers are like that um but I always knew it was it wasn't even an issue. Like I always knew once yeah. I'm older, I'm moving to a big city. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, that, that night was like my dream come true of what a night in a big city, hmm. uh, being in my 20s, having my own apartment and car and freedom and money, would be like. Huh. Not that I'm not that I was rich or am rich, right? But right. I, I mean, just enough money to get by. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. So anyway, that was my great night yeah and uh and it's a night you didn't expect to happen no you know, not at it's, all. it's just like hey let's just go to a show and this will be fun uh-huh. and that was it and then a night that you specifically remember years later occurred right. and that to me is movies that that show that are the ones that have i think more resonance for me or the ones that and this is i think the difference for me between dazed and confused and american graffiti which i only recently saw for the first time and uh, really, American Graffiti a great one. is that that is an important day, mm-hmm. and it's an important day for many of the characters. But they don't seem to treat it as such, or they don't seem to they they know that their choice. You know, they have to leave. Some of them have to leave tomorrow, or they're going to stay. They're not really sure. Um, but uh, they act as if it's any other day, because in my experience. Like you, like like we were just you and I were just talking about is uh, on those important days. Uh, Charlie's playing with something noisy now. Uh, on cute, those, anyway. on those important days, you may not completely know what's important, or the thing you thought was important may not be quite as important as you thought. And it's like, oh well, I, it's time for me to go off to college, which is which is very important. Meanwhile, what actually emerges as the important thing is this relationship over here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about American Graffiti is that it's it's all like misdirection. Uh, I'll let you I'll let you uh, talk for a minute. Hang on a sec. Well, I'm trying to think of more um more movies that just happen to be a day. Like like there's like Clerks is one that we talked about. Um before before Sunrise is actually one um because it's in the middle of this guy's trip abroad. Right. Which should be you know, a very memorable two weeks or whatever, how much time he's taken, right. but it's one thing within that, mm-hmm. this one night. Um, but but most of the ones that I'm coming up with when I think of something that just happened to take place all in a day are uh, are comedies, you know? Yeah. Um, although, now that I think about it, Dog Day Afternoon would probably... Would probably Still uh, haven't seen it. That's, that's weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Friday, a movie that I hadn't thought about in a long time, <laughs> um, but I feel like it holds up. Yeah. Uh I mean I 
I've watched it in college. It's probably the last time I watched it, and I still liked it. Yeah. Some of the jokes are a little on the nose or broad. Yeah. For me. Um, but it still generally works as a film. Have you seen Friday? I have seen Friday. Do you like it? I enjoy Friday, and I think I think probably, although frustratingly enough, the jokes I remember are the broader mm-hmm. jokes. And I think I think one of the I'm being very negative, and I don't mean to, but uh, I think one of the problems with the with this very specific uh, subgenre is the. And I'll I'll talk about Friday, and then uh, in a moment I'll talk about Clerks as as a similar example. Is there's a temptation to not trust the subgenre, and to try to cram in as much as you can. Uh-huh. And I don't just mean a lot of characters. That's one thing, you know, because um, I never felt that way with Days and Confused. But to cram in certain types of characters because maybe maybe the fact that this is all happening in one day, like maybe you don't trust that and you uh-huh. think that the audience might get get bored uh because if 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 you're not limited uh in time or or place you know if it's not a chamber piece or a real time kind of thing or whatever then and it takes place over the course of a month then you can just jump to all the important parts uh-huh. whereas if you when you have something take place over the course of a day you are almost obligated to show some of these slower or smaller moments which is why I think Friday it has moments that are great, but it's also they bring in this uh, preacher type character, which I find funny. I like Bernie Mac, but uh-huh. like uh, they bring in this character, then they bring in this character, and after a while, uh, like it's just the, like the, the drug dealer guy, which is really kind of the plot, of it, right? In as much as the movie has a plot, it has right. to do with with Chris Tucker owing the drug dealer guy money. Yeah, and so I feel like so I I like Friday, but I feel like it's it might be a little overstuffed, and I feel like. The the filmmakers thought that they that they needed to do that, which is I don't know. I, the reason I think it works is because it's it's overstuffed, it's it's broad, it's mm-hmm. it's it's over the top, and then the moment the the end, which is still a big moment, I and mean, it's a fight, yeah, you know, a fist fight, where in which he ends up hitting a guy with a brick, you know. <laughs> but the triumph of that of that moment is not about vanquishing evil, right? It's about Ice Cube's character. Uh, becoming a man i mean yeah. the 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 fight is is a metaphor for yeah. i mean this is a guy who starts off his day having been fired for stealing cardboard boxes from his job he still yeah. lives with his parents you know he's uh he's you know the whole thing's funny but ice cube's character in the movie is not like uh what's the word i'm looking for not a guy you really respect or look up to right it, you know um and certainly doesn't seem to respect himself yeah um but you know in 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 the end he stands up for himself. He beats up, uh, yeah. you know, uh, what <laughs> Debo. I'm trying to think of the actor's name. Uh, is it uh, Tiny Zeus? Tiny Lister. Zeus Tiny Lister. That's what yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. Um, the the president from the Fifth Element. Exactly. Um, and He's also in No Holds Barred. But he he does it. Uh, he beats up the guy with everyone watching. Everyone who has been judging the whole movie. His parents, right. his sisters, neighbors, right. you know, the 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 girl he's into or whatever, you know. Um he it's it's it really is a, a coming of age story. In, yeah. In for I mean an adult character. He's not he's yeah. not a teenager. Most coming of age stories are about are about teenagers. Yeah. Although I feel like more and more often uh because you know people talk a lot about how this we have extended adolescence now because of just 
the, our, our level of comfort in our society. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to grow up until later. That's why you get movies like Knocked Up and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like more often we're getting coming-of-age movies that take place later in life. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Danny Boyle's 127 Hours is a coming-of-age movie. Hmm. Um, I got to see it. Yeah, it's really good. Anyway, so uh, I just talked myself into liking Friday even more than I did. Well, and and on, and I feel like uh, in your description, because I because that main story is interesting, and that main character is interesting, and I think maybe I think maybe in describing it, you've pinpointed maybe my frustration with it because it has a lot of characters, but it's not about all those characters. They're all supporting characters in one guy's story, right? As opposed to Dazed and Confused, which does have kind of a main character, but it's really about everyone. Yeah. And so, if it's going to be an ensemble, it needs to be an ensemble, as opposed to. So, something like a Friday or, well, this worked out well, or like Clerks, mm-hmm. where it's one person's story, and w- with Clerks, by definition, it has to be. It's one guy's story, maybe two, but it's really more about Dante than Randall. Yeah. Um, and Randall's then, kind of a Shakespearean character, isn't he? He kind of is, <laughs> yeah. He's kind of Falstaffian at times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's who, like, I don't know, I've been thinking about... Um, uh, Deadwood recently. Oh, okay. And yeah. how how often, especially in the later two seasons, yeah. E.B. E. Farnham turns into oh, like yeah. a chorus, like he's just like <laughs> going, you know, soliloquizing or whatever yeah. about uh, about what's happening. And that's kind of who Randall is. Like things yeah. happen to Randall, but really he's just there to comment on the action. Oh, absolutely, and uh, and ruin things for everybody else. <laughs> um, but uh, and that's the thing is, if it had focused By on, the way, I'm pretty sure we're the first to ever compare Clerks to Deadwood. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, ever happened before. I, di- I disagree. I think because of the language, oh, you're people right. probably have compared <laughs> the two. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, and and that's the thing is, what is intriguing to me about Clerks is watching the relationship of these two guys evolve over the course of this one day, and they d- and their friendship is different at the end of the day than it was at the beginning, and but then Kevin Smith. Not because that's something that takes place in one day and predominantly at one location. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Smith feels the need to cram it with events and with kind of kooky, goofy people. And I understand he's, I'll, I'll generously say satirizing, uh, you know, customer service right. and, and that kind of culture. Um, and seen fr- through the eyes of the clerk, this is how customers appear. Uh-huh. So I understand that. Uh, but... Much, but I would say it's like Friday in that it's really it's it's like oh I I so badly want to make something that takes place in one day and show how one day can make a difference, oh, but I just feel so confined by it that I just need to cram all this stuff in. It's like no, you create it. Ice, Ice Cube's character and his situation is a very good, strong character and situation. Right. Same with Dante and Randall, and so I just wish that the filmmakers had trusted that. And then kind of maybe had some of the other characters fall away or at least play not play quite such a, a large role. Okay. Um, I agree. Let's move on. Sorry, I just know we're, that Thanks. you have an out time. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we had to move on. You got about nine more minutes. Yeah, so there are a couple movies when I talk about that are more uh, definitely more plot-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess uh, Training Day is definitely oh, yeah. a big one. That, that one takes place in... Uh, I mean, 24 hours, the sun is coming up. It starts, yeah. I mean, it's almost literally 24 hours. It's dawn to dawn. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, Ethan Hawke wakes up at dawn in the, yeah. at the beginning, and at the end, the sun is coming up when, uh, I guess, 
I, I guess I won't spoiler spoil Training Day. It's yeah. only nine years old at this point. Wow, um, it is. <laughs> uh, we're getting old, David. Yeah, we're doing fine. Um, <laughs> but what do you think of Training Day? I mean, that's a very uh, intricately plotted movie. It is so much so. I, I'm being so negative, and I don't. I, I don't mean to. I love Training Day. I love Training Day so much. Yeah, and I, this is uh, a point of contention between you and me. Okay, just a story from. Uh, when we lived together, okay. you, and I think you've gotten a little better, but you still, at that point, you refused to see a movie alone. Oh, that's theater. true. I've, you, I've, you I've done up, it since. But You ended up even, you paid for my ticket to Donnie Darko because I didn't want to see it and you didn't know anybody else wanted to see it. Right. Because at that point, neither of us knew anybody else in Chicago. Right. <laughs> right. We, we pretty much only knew each other. I, I think I also bought, I bought your ticket to the Verkmeister Harmonies. Uh, that's um, likely, yeah. And these are both movies that the one, one of us didn't want to see yeah. and both we ended up loving. Oh, absolutely. Um, it took me a while to get around to Verkmeister Harmonies, but yes. Um, but uh, Training Day, you, I, I refused to see it with you in the theater. Do you remember this? I, I, didn't rem- I don't remember that. Oh, I refused to see it with you in the theater. I finally saw it when it came out on DVD, and I was like, holy shit, this is great. And then I remember the Gene Siskel Film Center was going to show it, and I was like, do you want to go see Training Day? This is a movie that I would love to see in the theater. And you just gave me the look you're giving me now. It's just like, basically, you were saying that I tried to convince you for two months to see this movie in the theater. And <laughs> I'm, I'm stubborn. When I decide I don't want to see a movie, I like... Yes, I know. I don't see um, it. But, uh, I still, uh, Training Day is a fantastic movie. I did not see it in the... I wound up not seeing it in the theater, but I, yeah, I do I love right. it. But the one thing that I, that I... In spite of the fact that it is called Training Day... Uh-huh. I often forget that it's one day, like 24 hours, you know, a literal yeah. 24 hours. Um, I often forget, and I think it's because of the sheer number of events. Yeah. That it's it so many, it really is, is wet, hot American summer like, because <laughs> there's just so much stuff that happens. And part of me, I live in Los Angeles. I realize, like, they have to drive to all these places, and that yeah. in itself will eat up a lot but of time. The great part of it is that it, so much of it takes place on the east side, which That's is. That's true. Not, I mean, there's still traffic, but it's. Yeah. When people talk about the traffic in yeah. Los Angeles, they're mostly talking about the 405, Santa Monica Boulevard, the 101. Yeah. You know. Um, the 5 bothers me. That thing, I never know why it's so busy, but it always is. Um, uh, it depends on where and when. I drive to Disneyland a lot. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. South on the 5. Oh, but going like, south. I, yeah, yeah. You know, um, when I lived in Hollywood, I would somet- and I work in Burbank, I would sometimes take the 5 home yeah. because the stretch from from Burbank to, like, getting off at Los Feliz Boulevard yeah. was open at rush hour for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and sometimes it wasn't. Anyway, and I think, but not all our listeners live in Los Angeles, exactly. so let's move on to talk uh, about the fucking movie. But, you know? but I, guess, I guess a lot of, the, of Training Day does take place in the car, so I guess it is conceivable. In the office. In the, yeah. That's what he refers to it as. Yeah, as, as well he should. As well he should. I used to... I used to be a runner for a, a production company here, and uh, yeah, that was kind of my office. But also, and my cafeteria because I didn't—I wasn't allowed a lunch break, so I had to eat in the car. Um, here's why I think you might think less that 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 too much takes place in that day. Okay, because you're a guy who tends to sleep a lot during the day. That's true. Like a day to you seems shorter than it actually is, and even to me. But like, yeah. there are times when I realize, like, if I have something to do and I get up at five o'clock in the morning, and like. That's when it really hits me like, oh, a lot of you could get a lot of shit done in a day. That is true. I uh I probably sleep as much as everyone else. It's just when I sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like I I go to bed about 6 a.m. and then uh-huh. I sleep until 1 or 2. And uh you live your life upside down as our friend Mike Schmidt would say. Exactly. But here's the thing is that yes, like 
So if I if I have to drive and go get groceries or something, um, I go at like two in the morning. No traffic, no lines at the grocery store. It's great. <laughs> and so yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I guess that is. Uh, I don't see the hustle and bustle, and my life is not quite as busy. Yeah. As as the characters in Training Day, because I, I watched Training Day again recently, because that's a movie that I tend to watch at least twice a year, probably. Mm. Um, yeah, that might be climbing up the list uh, after Die Hard and Days and Confused of most watched movies. I need to buy it. I do enjoy that movie. Um, and like, if you think about it, like when they get to Scott Glenn's house, yeah, it's still only like ten a.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he's been awake <laughs> since yeah, five. Yeah. You know, they they meet at the diner at like six thirty. Yeah, that's right. You know. Which is the same diner from Seven, by the way. Oh, where Morgan Freeman and Gwyneth nice. Paltrow meet. But I do like I do like Training Day, and I I it's just that yeah, and maybe, and I guess maybe that's a a common theme, or at least for me, uh, in the in approaching these movies is whatever your day looks like as an audience, that will probably determine whether or not you buy the uh-huh. timeline of of a you know a one day film. And. Uh, Another reason Training Day works so well is that, again, like I said, it's 24 hours. He's awake for 24 hours. Yeah. It's not, you know, to most of us a day is the 16 hours that we're awake. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he's awake for 24 hours. And, and another movie, one movie that I, we, it would be completely, it would just be wrong of us to not talk about yeah. is uh, The 25th Hour. Oh, indeed, yes. Which is another movie that he, is, uh, he wakes up in the morning and then it's morning again by the time the movie's over. Yeah. Um, and that's why so much is able to happen. Yeah. Now, of course, in that film, there are flashbacks. So uh-huh. there's so it, it, I won't say it cheats a little bit because the flashbacks are you know necessary. I think right. and they're and they're handled very well. But uh, so it it you do you don't quite feel the confines. But I do like that the day has a different feel uh, between sunlight and you know nighttime yeah. because during the day he just he's very he's much more introspective. You know, he goes to his old school and just kind of walks around. It's very quiet, very slow. Mm-hmm. And then at night, that's when all the cr- all the you know shit happens, as it probably should be. And then and then when the sun comes back up and it's just him and his two friends again, yeah. Then it starts to calm down, even though some of the most intense stuff happens when the yeah. sun comes back up. And so I think it's uh, yeah, that's a movie I need to watch again. How many times have you seen it? Probably three or four. Okay, no, not not enough. Yeah, I watched it fairly recently, and uh, man, oh man, I realized that's one—that's a movie that I don't watch often because it is so emotionally intense. I—I I am exhausted at the end of that film. Um, uh, let's 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 pretty much end here. But I, I do want to say, do you think I almost feel it's wrong to say this? Okay, because "Do the Right Thing" is such an iconic movie. But I think my favorite Spike Lee movie is 20, the Twenty Fifth Hour, and "Do the Right Thing" is fantastic, and also one of the—I mean, I mentioned at the beginning yeah. we didn't really talk about it, but it is also one of these all-in-one-day movies. Yeah. Um, what what is your favorite Spike Lee movie? It probably is Twenty Fifth Hour, which makes me feel racist somehow. <laughs> so I was going to say, do um, you think do you think we like that movie more because it's about a white guy? <laughs> uh if those characters were all you know were all black, I think I would still like it as much. It's it really has more to do with the notes that the characters are given. To, I think it has to more play. To me, um, do the right thing is very much about. I mean, it's understandable to. Mm-hmm. A universal audience, but it's about being, uh, pretty much about being a minority in, a, like an, an urban setting. Yeah. You know, whereas the twenty fifth hour is, it's, I mean, as I've said often, it's the first real post nine eleven film. Yeah. It's about America in that 
time. Yeah. Even though it takes place in New York and it's about a drug dealer and yeah. and all all this sort of like these almost genre type trappings. Yeah. It really is a movie about America, and yeah. I think that's why it. Uh, I, I don't feel like an outsider looking in, uh, like when I watch Do the Right Thing. Yeah. Um, now there is a movie I wanted to bring up because we've been talking about movies that are chock full, and even even. Uh, I mean, I guess before sunrise and before sunset, I've not seen them, but I know that it's primarily just a it's just a conversation, just yeah. a, a day long conversation. So, um, well, or in a, the a sunset is a night long. Con- before sunrise yeah. is a night long. Yeah, I mean, it starts during the day, but and then before sunset is a, a ninety minute conversation yeah. because it's a ninety minute movie. Um, and so, so those are not event filled, certainly. But then, of course, there's Gus Van Sant has done. He did Elephant. Uh-huh, which, which I did is, write down, but which is a movie that I I I actually like quite a bit. I I loved it at the time, and now I think I just like it. But it's still very good. And then of course there's uh, Last Days, which I do think takes place over the course of one I day. I didn't see it. Um, the fact that it's Last Days, uh, plural, may, it makes me question that. But I I'm almost positive it's it's one day. But I'm not a hundred percent on that. But I know the elephant does. Uh, elephant is one day, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a film that. It is ensemble. It's several. You see several people. There's one character that's maybe a little bit higher than everyone else as mm-hmm. far as uh, as far as uh, status in the film. Do you want Timothy Bottoms? <laughs> well done. He's the best part of that movie. I don't really like Elephant. But I, I yeah. think Timothy Bottoms is great in it. He is really good. And and oddly enough, although his moment is one of the few like movie feeling moments, uh-huh. um, whereas the rest of it is very uh, doesn't feel like a typical film. Uh, but and it is very dreamlike and meditative and stuff. Uh, you seen Jerry? I haven't seen Jerry. It's so good. I really need to. I Everyone says it. I'd love it, and I'm, I probably would. But uh, but Elephant, I do I do like it because it brings that attitude of of this being a day that will change the lives of these people forever. They don't know it. We know it. And so there's a certain degree of uh, Hitchcockian bomb under the table theory there where we n- there's suspense. It's the worst kind of suspense. It's not fun at all. Uh, but the fact that you're just seeing, a d- uh, you know, this fateful day unfold, but that the, the fact that it's fateful won't come into play for a while. Right. And and I think he approaches that the best way you can, which is showing it as just a boring humdrum day mm-hmm. and then suddenly terrible things happen. And even within those terrible things, it's not chaos. It's all very methodical because that's the way the uh, the killers wanted it. And so it's uh, that that's a film that I think really utilizes the the day thing. And even then, I guess the seven-hour, you know, the, yeah. the Ferris Bueller yeah. thing. Um, okay, so I feel like we didn't mention a single foreign film. So, and one that was on, like, I have this huge list of movies to talk about, but I put asterisks next to the ones that I really wanted to talk about. Okay. I didn't uh, I didn't talk about Monsoon Wedding, which I've not seen. Uh I think you would really like it. Okay. It's it, it's it's really good. I'll uh, put it on the queue. It it like uh Yeah, watch it um and see if you if, wait, wait till you get maybe an HD TV cuz it's a it's a beautiful film. Even I'm though sure, yeah. I believe it was shot on 16mm actually. Hmm. But uh it, beautiful. Okay. Anyway, everyone should see that. That takes place uh the day of a wedding, if you can believe it. Yep. Um, trying to think of anything else I wanted to talk about. Empire Records. I think we can not not mention that. We can. Uh, we no, can I, th- I, that. I pretty much got to all the um, asterisked okay. ones. Uh, so let's wrap it up, okay. right? Uh, yeah, and uh, I know that we didn't. We probably didn't get to a lot of things. Some of that I, we could probably talk for another fifteen minutes, but I do actually Easily. have to leave. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, so yeah, sorry if we didn't hit some of your favorites. And by all means, talk about it on the forum, uh, which you can f- which you can find yeah. links to on battleshipretention dot com. I imagine a lot of people are going to want us to talk about sixteen candles, which we didn't do. Oh, indeed, yes. The Breakfast Club. Oh my god. Oh yes, Breakfast Club. How did we not talk about yeah. that? We didn't talk about how um, things that are based on plays. Oh yeah. Often, um, I think you mentioned Glengarry Glen Ross earlier. That's a one day yeah. movie. American uh, Buffalo is yeah. Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah. Um, Harvey. Harvey's one day. I think so. I was in that play, and I don't remember that. I think it's one day. I could be wrong. Anyway, um, but uh, and I but before we wrap up, I did want to say uh, there's a couple new blogs uh, available. One is about Quatermass in the Pit, uh-huh. uh, which is a Hammer film, uh, and Kyle Anderson uh, wrote about that, and it sounds like a fascinating film. I haven't seen it. And then uh, Daniel, uh, just for the first time, watched Star Wars: A New Hope. For the first time in his life. Oh, that's interesting. I should and uh, I'd like to get so that. you can read all about his uh, first Im- uh, first response to that. I wonder if there's a movie that I should do that for, but I'm trying to think what's a movie that everyone has seen that I haven't seen. I don't know. I'm not you. Yeah, but you know me. Yeah, I do, but I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. But uh, know. what did you? You said you hadn't seen something earlier today that we were Dog Day Afternoon. About. Dog Day Afternoon, but yeah. yeah, that's not like that's not one you grow up with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what's a. I've never seen Labyrinth. Okay, there's there's one, I guess, sort of. Yeah. And they're actually showing it next Saturday. I'm sure you've probably seen The Goonies. Seen The Goonies, yeah. All right. Because that's a film that I think requires nostalgia to enjoy it. I'm afraid to revisit it. Yeah. I'm, I own it, and it's 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 fun, but it's not what I remembered. I just don't want to get willowed. <laughs> Man, when All I right. watched that again, I was in college. Yeah. I was almost like ashamed of myself. <laughs> like, not only does it not hold up, Willow's a bad movie. Like, it's really bad. I'll have to. I guess I'll have to rewatch it. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so before I get into the, I go through the tirade that you guys uh, have either memorized or just don't pay attention to. Anyway, um, December fourth, indeed, it's yes. coming up. Uh, it's going to be a blast, a blast and a half, actually. Oh my! As usual, um, it's Battleship Retention Live Volume Four. Yeah. Um, <coughs> uh, uh, Kyle Kinane. Yeah. Uh, Jason Nash, yep. Jackie Cation, Mike Siegel, yep. the two of us, yep. friend of the show Jason Eakin will be there. You indeed. can meet him. Yep. Uh, maybe buy a copy of Reservations and get it signed. Oh, indeed. Um, you can uh, get free beer. Yeah. Um, as long as you tip your bartender. And it's five bucks to get in. And it's at Meltdown Comics, which is the greatest comic book store I've ever been to in yep. my life. Absolutely. So you can buy all kinds of comic books. You can get there early, buy comic books or buy toys. Mm-hmm. They have They have great stuff. It's a great store. And it's going to be a great, great show. It really will be. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm telling uh, you, Kyle Kinane, Death of the Party. I said this before, but tied for best album of 2010, best comedy album of 2010. It's up there. It's very good. With uh, with tied with Let It Go by Bill Burr, who the, I have emailed and he did not get back to me. Yeah, he's not that interested in being on the show. It's fine. <laughs> um, but the uh, and you mentioned a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, his film Reservations, which I am in, and you and I do a commentary track for. Uh-huh. Uh, it is now he marked the price down primarily because he didn't do it so he could make money on it he just wants people to see it right and so it's only five dollars mm-hmm. uh, and you can find it at the battleship pretension store yeah and i suggest you do it it's i i say this as somebody I, I realize i was in the film but i enjoyed being in it and having watched it i enjoy watching it i yeah, think it's, it's a very it's, good movie. it's really good i'm hoping jason will put me in his next film absolutely well just you know uh, he told me what it's going to be and uh yeah, put your name in there. He hasn't cast it yet. Okay. So, all right. Do I get to kill anybody? 
Uh, well, I have to assume there's several lines that you will butch- that you will butcher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. Um, so you can get uh, you can find us online at battleshipretention.com or in iTunes. You can email us David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension, or you can follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash more lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at more than one lesson.com or in iTunes, and you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast previously on at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. All right. Uh, so I, I will, I will thank the, I'll thank the listener on the uh, forum who suggested this topic, but, uh, we really do appreciate it. And we're always doing many more of your topics. No question about it. (laughs) Yeah. So if you have any suggestions, you can put it on the forum or you can email us. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, thanks everybody for listening and, uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.